are 42 seasons of Survivor. So if you don't watch it, there is a way you can find it, believe me. And so it's been on television here in the United States since about the year 1997. But it's not even an American-created show, which is kind of surprising to me because we like to claim that we have made up most things. But it was a Swedish show called Expedition Robinson originally, and now it's just known as Robinson in Sweden. And then we borrowed the idea a few years later, and then it became ours, and now we have Survivor. And for those of you who really don't care about Survivor, but you are Astros fans, this is just a little tidbit I learned today that Mike Stanick, one of the relief pitchers for the Astros, is married to Jessica from one of the seasons. She was the first one kicked off the island the year she was on. And so the show was huge, and I have only watched one season, and we watched it not too long ago because our daughter and son-in-law, Annabeth and Trevor, said, hey, you need to watch it. We're watching different seasons of it. So we watched all the way through one season. But I want you to see the words here that are on, on its logo, to outwit, to outplay, and to outlast. That is the purpose of the show. And then with however many people they have, 15 or 20 people, however many are on it, I think it changes from show to show, that the purpose is to win the million dollars at the end, to be the last person on the show. And you remember that there are sometimes they have, they have different kinds of physical events and they have different kinds of mental or intellectual events and you're going against people and you may be kicked off the island not because you are the weakest link but because you are the one, that's another show we could do, right? But because you are the biggest danger to somebody else on the show. And so as they go, they form these little alliances and some of the people think that they have friends but really what they have are frenemies. I don't know if frenemy is a real word, but I heard someone use that word just this morning out in the foyer, so you know the word of frenemy. And it's always interesting whenever they talk about the people on the show that they are actually competing against, but they'll say sometimes, oh, these are some of the best friends I've ever had in my life. I can't believe we've only been here a week and we are already so close and so, so uh, uh, understanding of each other. Remember the logo, to outwit and to outlast and whatever the other out was, get rid of you, out. That's the purpose. And so some people feel so loved for a while and then all at once they can't believe that they have been voted off the island, voted off the show. Well, it is obviously be good to be aware of your surroundings and what's there in Matthew 10 in the second part of verse 16 says, Be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. So it's always important to be aware of your surroundings and what is going on. Although you want to be innocent, you also want to be awake as to what may be happening. And so as we talk about Survivor, this all makes me think about relationships in the church and the way we should be in the church and relationships and the church should be exemplary of goodness. It should be that when we meet people that become our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would be willing to die for each other, that we love each other, we want to be together, we understand that we're all not going to see things exactly alike, that sometimes we're going to disagree about social issues or even doctrinal issues, but still we're going to be friends and we're brothers and sisters in that 
that link that we have in Jesus is so much stronger than anything else. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I don't know if you've been in churches like this, but there are some churches where there are some people who seem to be there to cause problems. That they go on Sunday morning to see what's wrong on Sunday morning. Someone going to say something wrong in a prayer? Is there going to be something that's doctrinally incorrect in a song? Is there going to be something the preacher says that isn't right? And maybe, the, and while certainly we have to work on things, we want to be as close as we can to Scripture, sometimes maybe motives are not correct. And I'm not here to say who has good motives and who doesn't. I'm just telling you the way it is, right? Some of you know what it's like to work in an office setting like this too, don't you? You've worked in an office where there is someone else in that office that they see their job quietly and secretly to be the one to cause problems. And they like to see it blow up and then walk away from it. And you have just lost your job or at least at the very least lost your cool. And that's what they wanted you to do. That is not the way the church should ever be. And I don't have any statistics on what I'm about to tell you. But this is my guess here. And I think it's a pretty educated guess is that more congregations start from splits than start from plants. You understand what I'm saying? They start because so-and-so got upset with so-and-so, not because, hey, we ought to start a new congregation and bless this part of the city with a congregation. Then It's more over people mad at each other when you really start boiling things down. There are several different groups work with churches that are in the midst of Problems And one of these resolution groups said, almost every place we go, we find that the issues are not doctrinal. Although the people claim it's a doctrinal issue going on, almost every single time the issue is personal. It's people that are upset with other people. It's people saying, I don't think we ought to do it that way because they think we ought to do it that way. And so then they use the Bible in a way that sometimes is not at all scriptural so to speak, but in a way to hurt other people. So I, I did a thing that maybe is it's different than anything I've done before, and some of you have even commented that have looked at the notes for this sermon and said, boy, you have a lot of scripture in it. I do have a lot of scripture in it. Because I'm going to let the Bible kind of speak for itself, and every once in a while I'll interject something on what we ought to look like as Christians. Now, when you see these verses, and I hope to kind of overwhelm you a little bit in verses, I want you to think about what the world would say if they saw this in Christians. First of all, let me say, if they heard us sing in this room, wouldn't people say, wow, I want to be a part of that? Now, think about what it would be like if people saw and knew that they would be treated the way these verses say we should treat each other. Going back to that song, John 13, 34, a new command I give you, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That doesn't, he doesn't even say you must agree every time, but you must love one another. John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. 
Think about all the different things and points of doctrine that we think distinguish us, that make us different from other people or other groups in the world. And what Jesus said himself was, what will distinguish you is your love. What will extinguish you is when you don't get along. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Romans 12.10 Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's a strong passage. Above yourselves. I might be willing to honor you equally, but not above. In the show Survivor, I will honor you as long as I can until it hurts me somehow, and then I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to vote you off. I'm going to vote you out of the church. I'm going to vote you off the island. So Romans 12.10 and then Romans 13.8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Well, do you remember when Jesus was, was asked, what, are the two, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Or the, and, and Jesus gives two commandments. The first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, mind, soul. Second, and, and on. And then the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, okay, so you take all that love right there. And now you see how you fulfill the law. Let no re debt remain outstanding except that debt to love one another. This is strong. This is important because a lot of times folks don't get it. Sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes it's difficult. Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Or I might also say your sister's way. Stop passing judgment on other people. Have you ever judged someone and then found out you were wrong? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we wonder why people aren't here and we can imagine all the things they're doing probably lying around in their, uh, in their house or they're in their swimming pool on Sunday morning and we have no idea that maybe they're sick or they're tending to someone who's sick or hurting or whatever it may be. Romans 15, 7, accept one another then. Just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. How do I bring praise to God? I accept other Christians. I accept other people. Not because they're perfect. Not because they have it all together. So how do I know that? Because he says, just as Christ accepted me. Notice the past tense here. Not where I'm at now in Christ, but where I was way back there in the beginning, or even we might say before the beginning. This is how you look like Jesus. Ephesians 4.2 Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. The word bearing means... There will be issues sometimes. Bearing means it's not always easy. You don't need patience if you always agree. We will see things differently sometimes. But we stay humble, we stay gentle, we stay patient, and we bear with each other. 
Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. It is really easy to ask for forgiveness and sometimes really difficult to forgive other people. But do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they said about me? Do you know how much they cost me? And I can imagine having this conversation with Jesus and saying to Jesus, do you know what they cost me? And maybe Jesus would just lean down and start rubbing the holes in his hands and say, do you know what you cost me? Wow. Forgive people for what they've done. Colossians 3, 13, bear, oh, this is kind of light, isn't it? Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Not forgive as other people forgive, but as the Lord forgave you. The standard that Jesus, or the standard that God calls his people to is higher than any standard on the face of the earth. He is calling us to something that your neighbors who aren't in Christ will not understand. Matter of fact, a lot of people who are in Christ will not understand. He's calling us to something that looks like it doesn't even make sense. But it's the standard that is God's standard and what God wants from his people. Then the next one in James chapter 5 verse 16 <clears throat> excuse me therefore confess your sins and and pray for each other so that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective therefore confess your sins and pray for each other we confess to each other because we all struggle with issues we want to be perfect but we're not so it's easy if you come tonight and go, wow, I've got a long way from this because there's somebody that I'm really upset with. There's somebody I haven't forgiven. And there's someone that I'm dealing with things with. And I'm just not right. I'm just not there, David. Well, I understand. Because we want to get there, but we're not all quite there yet. But we should be working on it. And I think what God would want from all of us is to say, I'm willing to work on it even though I haven't achieved it. That is a lot different than saying, no, I will not work on it at all. There's a complete difference in those two things. So we want to be perfect, but we aren't quite there. And do you know why? It's because we are incredibly selfish. Selfishness creeps in, right? You think about all the things that, as we sometimes talk about, the definition of sin is selfishness. And when I get mad, it's because something's against me usually, right? That's whenever I'm sinning. Well, I'm not going to get it. We get mad at whoever, whoever gets the parking place or, or whatever it is, right? We can get mad about just about anything. And it's because we're selfish. And we worry about good old number one first. But every verse that we looked, about, looked at tonight talks about number one being last. And so selfishness causes issues. And the good thing is we are continually being forgiven by God. 
1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now this passage, and you've heard it before, but, uh, but literally what it means isn't just purifies us, like it happened once, but it's the idea that it continually purifies us and never stops. He continually purifies us from all sin. So we keep, we stay in Jesus. We don't leave Jesus. We keep being willing to work on our issues and do what God wants. So here's my question for me, for us tonight. Oh, I'm sorry, I left off a part here. You're going to have to wait. <laughs> if we are being transformed to be like God, we will increase in forgiveness. And, when, and I've shared this with you before, and I've realized it in my own life with things, but there are times when maybe we forgave someone who did something really bad to us. Maybe it was a year ago, maybe it was 20 years ago. Let's say it was 20 years ago. And then one day, someone, it comes up in conversation again, and it's been 20 years since you've even thought about that. And you start thinking about it again. And the person that you're, that sinned against you might even have died already, right? But you start getting upset again. What I've learned with forgiveness is it's not a one and done thing usually. Forgiveness is usually something that we have to revisit from time to time and forgive the person or the people again. For some that's just not because there's a new incident, but because it all boils up in us. And we start thinking about it and, and, and focusing on it. And we've got to go back again. But if we are being transformed to be like God, we will grow in forgiveness. So here's my question for us tonight. Do my relationships look like Jesus and his relationships? One of the things that always seemed so odd for me as I would read the Bible whenever I was younger would be we would get to that that dramatic scene, of course, at the end of the life of Jesus as he hangs on the cross and he says those words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When you get to a point in life that you can forgive the very people that put you on a cross, that's pretty powerful. But Jesus was willing to forgive people that put him on a cross. Am I willing to love like Jesus loves? Am I willing to treat others better than I treat myself? Am I willing to give to others more than I keep for myself? When I'm at that point, then I think that pleases God. I'm not always at that point. Every once in a while I hit a high note, but a lot of times I miss it. Do my relationships look like Jesus? I pray that they do, but what I pray even more is, is that I will work on them to look like Jesus. Tonight, whether you want to be baptized, whether you need prayer, if you just need to visit and know more, what do I need to do to follow Jesus? Come as we stand and sing.